Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. The Junction, in the Grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, 2nd of August, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you, just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Thanks, guys, for uh, finishing up yesterday. I, I, if you were listening, I don't think you could tell if you were on the air. Or, or if if you were listening, I, I don't think you could tell. I had a coughing fit at the end of the show yesterday, and I could not finish a sentence without having to like pull the microphone level down where you couldn't hear it and cough my head off, and like there's an awkward pause, and then I'd run it back up and try and get another sentence out. Went crazy. So uh, thanks for getting me through the end of that. Much better. Went and saw my uh, my doctor today, Dr. Wynn Walcott at Mississippi Asthma and Allergy. Did you guys know that you can develop asthma or asthma-like symptoms later in life? Like, I thought that was something you were born with. You either had asthma or you didn't. But uh, it's Just like any other allergy. Yeah, I guess so. And yeah. uh, so I was asking him, I was like, does that make me weird? He's like, no. He's like, you're plenty weird on your own. He, nah, he didn't say that. He, he didn't say yes. that. No, he didn't yeah. say it. I mean, oh, he didn't say gosh. that. I like, no, I just stole your joke before that you could use it. Yeah, you uh, did. You did. I was, I was, I was headed there with the joke. I was in the car. Dude, you uh, can, you can develop asthma. You can develop new allergies to things that you've never had allergies uh, with before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, just the world's out to get us, man. Yeah. So, um, and I've always thought of myself to be like a pretty healthy guy. Like I rarely get sick and. You know, just kind of keep on plugging through whatever. It, that's a bad deal. Yeah. And, and like, I really feel for people that have had to deal with asthma for their entire life. My, my son has kind of a mild case of asthma, and Jane has it kind of mildly as well. And, man, that's a, that's a rough deal. So, yeah. yeah, like, all the meds, got them all. Got all the, like, allergy shots once a week. Woohoo! Yeah. And, uh... The uh, like the the maintenance 
inhaled steroid inhaler deal you take once in the morning and once at anyway better um, that than getting that isn't it like a a certain kind of tick bite that can make you allergic to red meat oh yeah buddy of mine had that happen yeah. oh see I, i'm not scared like i work in the yard i i love being outside I, a little wa- white dot on its back the lone star tick see I, well, that's good to know and like I'll walk through the woods. There, there's a there's a bass pond by my house that is hidden deep in the woods, and there's trees coming up out of the water. It's an awesome bass pond. Like I, I don't mind walking through woods and stuff. Like I, I'm I'm an outdoors guy, but every time I walk through brush like that, or I, or I cut my grass when it's too high, I wonder I'm going to get bit by one of those. And one of my favorite things on the planet, I I won't be able to do anymore, and, and that terrifies me. I'm I'm terrified of those little bugs. It's hard to believe that something named after the the state of Texas would give you an aversion to red meat. Feels like yeah. that should be the other way around. You, you can't eat vegetables anymore if you get bit yeah, by that. Yeah, that should tick. be the Vermont tick or something. Yes, yeah, so it, it's got. Like you can identify. That's the California it. tick yeah. <laughs> with the uh, the little white dot in the middle of its back. It's called the Lone Star tick. A buddy of mine was bitten by one of those, and you know, ticks carry Lyme disease also, which is scary in and of itself. There are people that have been like bad situation as a. So he can't eat anything that comes from animals with hooves. So it's not just beef. That's everything. Yeah. I, what what yeah, meat no that horse. doesn't Ch- have hooves? Chicken, fish. Yeah. So you can be a pescatarian. Yeah. Do you see so, with, with chicken? You, you remember how? Speaking of pescatarians, how how Justin Fields made waves because he said he was vegan, and everybody was like, "How how are you a athlete and you're vegan?" Well, he's added fish to his diet, and I was listening to part of my take on Monday, and they were like, "We all know how this ends, right? We all know where this is going." He he he's vegan who started eating animals. By this time next year, he's going to be buying his offensive lineman a steak dinner, and he's going to have a 44-ounce tomahawk right in front of him. That's how this is going to end. They're going to, they're going to catch him at, at Mr. Beef, getting an Italian beef sandwich, yeah. and be like, <laughs> oh, I'm just eating the Jardinere. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks to Dr. Walcott. I, I told him, I was like, man, this is, he's like, we're going to get it fixed. Don't worry about it. We'll get you taken care of. So That's good. Thankful for uh, thankful did, for that. Did you also get a nice little jolt today seeing quarterbacks not wearing pads throw passes to receivers not being covered by anybody? I, and I'm not being sarcastic. I watch all of them. I, if football's back. At least two thirds of our football is back. And oh oh uh oh, Jackson Dart threw an interception today in a drill, and Spencer you. Sanders also threw an interception today in a drill. So. Uh, Dart lost his Walker edge. Howard right time. Back. Let's go. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, uh. you um, you know the the drill that is most mesmerizing for me to watch hmm. when when you watch a running back do the ladder drill. Yeah, and you don't watch where they're holding the ball. You don't watch their head. You watch their feet, and you're like, well, I played football at some level. You know, whatever. I mean, for me, it ended in high school. Hey, that ended in high school. All three of us, we, we stopped after yeah. high school, right? That's where it ended. But regardless of what position you played, you, you did some sort of a ladder drill, right? Where they've got the, uh, the, the ladder. It's a cloth that's laid out on the ground. 
And you got to do different drills where you either hit every hole or you hit every other hole or you go sideways back and forth through them, zigzag your way through it. My feet didn't look like that. And then you watch somebody like Quinshawn Judkins or who was the NFL guy that I saw yesterday or a couple of days ago? I just, it was, it was Devontae just, Smith, right? It might have been. It, it, it might have been. But it was like, how is it possible for your feet to move like that? It was like a staccato watching their feet as they went through the uh, the ladder drill. It was Devontae Smith. That, that, that's exactly who it was. Um, yeah, I saw that same video. And it looks like there's crafty editing to like speed up his feet only. Like the fact that a human being can move that light. Yeah, like you can listen to a podcast or a a book on tape at 1.5 speed. It's like his feet were moving at 1.5 speed. Yeah. Over whatever the fastest human possible imaginable, it looked like one and a half times faster than that. So um, it's crazy. You know what? I am glad, though, that we are here where we can obsess over practice videos. I feel like I am Brian Haydad right now. I really do. I think today was the day that I hit the point where it's like, you know, I look forward to talking about conference realignment and media rights deals in April and May and June and July. But when you get get to August, I'm kind of ready to talk some football. Although the, Florida State's having a board of trustees meeting well, where they're ah, all, he was he was, I, he was going but, he was going the right way don't do it they're all basically saying we're out we're, we're well, gonna figure it out we're gone so we're out it's just hey, a matter that, of when I was actually bridging it with that because I was gonna oh. say but there is a level of theater happening right now in Tallahassee that frankly is unlike anything we've ever seen or heard publicly from a university president and a board of trustees. So Adam Rittenberg from ESPN is kind of live-tweeting the uh, the Florida State live board meeting. Live-xing. Yeah, whatever. It still says, even <laughs> though it's text, it still says tweet up there underneath his name. Florida State President Rick McCullough in board meeting, quote, without increasing revenue, we're going to be facing major challenges to compete in football. He mentions NIL coaching salaries as other areas where FSU needs revenue to boost. He goes on to say this. We are not satisfied with our current situation. We love the ACC, but staying in the ACC under the current situation is hard for us to figure out how we remain competitive unless there was a major change in the revenue distribution within the ACC. That has not happened. He goes on to say there are no easy fixes, but a group has spent a year exploring, quote, every possible option, close quote. My current assessment of the situation is I believe FSU will have to, at some point, consider very seriously leaving the ACC unless there were a radical change. And then one of the trustees popped up, Jim Roth, or Justin Roth is his name, and he says, staying in the ACC is like death by a thousand cuts, but every cut is a $30 million cut. And he says when the next media deal surfaces, the ACC will be a third-rate conference. Close quote. That sounds like the discussions me and Borky have about this show a lot. Just like <laughs> we got to figure out a way to change this revenue sharing we're doing. It, so, but it is wild, though. I mean, it, it was quote after quote after. One of them said, "We need to get out before 2025." 
That's a board member. Just, we need to get out now. Just wide open for everybody to hear. Hey, Dan, I know this isn't your favorite thing, but I do think this merits a little bit more conversation because uh, there's some things that were like, how do you go forward after that publicly? Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. thing that's got my attention about the Florida State Board meeting is what they are saying and how they are saying it is just not what we are used to. Hey, Dad, used the example last week. It didn't really matter what we were interviewing him about. John Cohen always, always figure out figured out a way to glowingly recognize his boss, Dr. Mark Keenum, what an amazing leader he is for Mississippi State University. You you heard that every single time we had a conversation with John Cohen. Didn't matter the content. You talk to an athletics director in the SEC, and if you have a question that is related at all to the conference as a whole, whether it's media rights or distribution or championship events, Almost without fail, all 14 ADs reference the incredible leadership that Greg Sankey has for our league and the great job that the conference is doing in shepherding us through difficult times, etc. Maybe not the exact words, but you get the idea. Presidents in the SEC, presidents and chancellors in the SEC, reference the job that the conference does and the job that Greg Sankey does. And I know for a fact that there is a, and I don't know if this happens in every league, but there is a weekly president's call that gets on the count. Now, I don't know if they do it 52 weeks a year. I'm sure there's some some lapses in it. But it's not just athletics directors that communicate with the league office in the SEC. It's university presidents as well. And so Glenn Boyce and Mark Keenum, once a week or a couple of times a month, depending on what the schedule is, they jump on a university president's call that is led by senior people at the SEC office. And they talk about, you know, what's happening in the league and what issues they're facing, if there are any updates that the league needs to give to the presidents on, you know, media rights deals or revenue distributions or how they're going to handle COVID or, yeah, you know, whatever is topical at the time, they do that. There's like this constant communication between the league office and its executive leadership team and the universities, whether you're talking about the presidents or the athletics directors. We all know about spring meetings that happen the week before or the the Memorial Day weekend and into that next week that happen in Destin. That's where the presidents, the ADs, the football coaches, the men's and women's basketball coaches all descend for the sake of having meetings to keep up with what's going on and figure out what issues need to be addressed. What is far less public is the fact that there is an off-site ADs meeting with the leadership team from the conference office that happens multiple times a year. 
They don't publicize that. They don't want it public. They just kind of go off to a resort somewhere or have some sort of, like a, a team building wouldn't be the exact way to describe it. So I say all that to illustrate there's a ton of communication that happens amongst the ADs and the presidents and the league office. I have no idea what the setup is in the ACC. But if you assume that there's some sort of retreat or regular conversation between the leadership of the Atlantic Coast Conference and the individual university presidents and athletics directors, how awkward is the next call or meeting they have? Like, how, how do you move forward when one of your institutions is not saying privately, but is saying very, very publicly, we've got to get out. This is a disaster. We're going to become a third-rate conference by the next time we do a media rights deal. How, how do you continue to function as a league with members who are not just disgruntled behind closed doors, but are airing their dirty laundry and the conference's dirty laundry for anyone and everyone to see. Counterpoint, though. If you're Clemson, if you're North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, aren't you thankful that they did that? Because all of them feel the same, don't they? They did it so we don't have to? Yeah, because like Boston College, got programs like Boston, I feel bad for Boston College fans. I know there's not many of them, but there are some, and they're passionate, and I feel bad for them. Just like I feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State fans. Those people are going to get left behind in, in less attractive conferences, and it, this isn't good for those kind of programs. But if I'm Clemson's leadership, I'm fired up that it wasn't us that had to do it today. Because you know Clemson feels the same. They see the projections. They know that their in-state rival that they've owned as of late until this past season. But you get Clemson's been the better program for ten years than South Carolina, and yet South Carolina is going to get half a billion dollars more than them over the next 10, 12 years. They see that. Mm-hmm. North Carolina is a huge brand in college sports. They see what's going on. They see that Rutgers, for example, is going to get, what, near double what they're getting. So the Wake Forest, the Boston College, the Syracuse, yeah, they're, they don't like this. But Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, even, thank you for, for saying the truth. The question is, though, how do they get out of it? Because there's there's been all these rumors that that Clemson and Florida State were going to join the Big Ten this week, and those were not didn't feel like that was rooted in reality because the grant of rights, which is such a sexy topic, but Florida State seems to think that they can find a way out, or they're willing to pay their way out. One of the two. If they could find a way out, wouldn't they have done it by now? You would think one. so. And I don't believe they can afford to pay their way out. Now, hey, Dad, you differ, right? You, you think there's an unlimited pile of money for everybody, and if you want it something bad enough, you just pay for it and move on, right? Yep. I'd say exactly what I believe. Yeah. I mean, that's how you operate, right? When when you decide you just want to go have a, um, 
uh, a weekend at Vegas that is full of debauchery with the, the, the finest meals and the biggest high rollers and the largest suites on the strip. You just go do it, right? You just do it. Hey, there's money somewhere. Just to heck with it. We'll go do it. How, how did we switch roles? I don't know what just happened. Yeah, yeah, right. $200,000 weekend in Vegas. Ah, who gives a crap? Let's do it. If I had if I had donors, I could probably make it happen. If you would like to be a Hey Dad donor, please contact me, heydad at supertalk.fm. There you go. I like it. What do you think about this, though? No, no, seriously, the, the idea that you float all this out so publicly, and then you got to figure out how to coexist. And Borky makes a good point. I mean, there are others that are probably I mean, glad, but still. I mean, if I'm going to openly talk about leaving my wife, I better have a girlfriend lined up, shouldn't I? I mean, that, that's what it feels like. It feels like they got to at least have... <laughs> have have a plan in place. I mean, they they must know something we don't. Otherwise, it's a lot of talk that you might be in 2025 looking around, going, "We're cool guys, right? We're cool. It's all right." I I, I don't. I mean, this is a lot of confidence from Florida State. The, the good news with Florida State is you are a good brand. You have a good fan base. You bring value. You bring eyeballs. So if you do get out there on the open market. People would will desire to bring you into your conference. This isn't this isn't Wake Forest making these claims. This is a good school that people would want to add. But who? who? I don't. That's uh, see. Don't see, know. I think that's a really important question. I mean, there's only there, there, you say you say when you say who, Richard. There's only two options. It's either the SEC or the Big Ten. No, Florida State's not going to the Big Twelve. Doesn't solve any of their problems. The Pac-12 is about to not exist. It's only the Big Ten or the SEC. So you right, tell so, me, flip a coin. Yeah. Okay. So, so to your point, if you're gonna gonna kind of walk out on your wife and and drag her through the mud like that, you better have a girlfriend lined up. The SEC ain't the girlfriend right now, and the Big Ten is certainly not focused on Florida State right now. I look in the other coast. I mean, the Big Ten's wandering eye is forever on Notre Dame. But given that they can't ever quite reel Notre Dame in, ah, USC, UCLA, they're beautiful. What do we think about Oregon and Washington? And then you get the most recent news today that maybe there's some conversation about Stanford and Cal today. And and I forget who tweeted it. I think it may have been uh, Bud Elliott who said, you go back to 2020, the ACC's decision to help Notre Dame play football and not demand they join the conference – was a huge misstep. You had you had them by the uh, the uh, the jubblies the there. You, you could have just been like, yeah, you could have just been like, hey, you're either not going to play football or you're going to join this conference. Those are your only two options at this point. What was Notre Dame going to do? Sit a year out? Absolutely not. So what? Lack of leadership? Lack of vision? Lack of vision is a good way to put it. Trust that it was just all going to work out in due time? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know, Texas and Oklahoma hadn't moved yet, so he didn't know all this was coming. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We're back right after this. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi.
Today was the first day of camp for Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. We will hear from Will Hall post-practice later in the show today. First day of camp for Ole Miss in Oxford. Lane Kiffin and some players met with the media. Uh, they got started about 2 o'clock, and as soon as that uh, audio and video is available, we will have that for you as well. And uh, we will continue to wait for Mississippi State. Did, did, did State not get the memo that today was the day practice was supposed to start? Yeah, you win more games, you can take a couple extra days off. It'll be all I right. Suppose, I, I suppose that is uh, that is correct. I hope it doesn't backfire on them in the long run. I really, we still haven't made a bet. Genuinely hope that it doesn't backfire on them in the long run. <laughs> we still haven't made a bet. Um, okay. I had a great one for 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 Carter, Keith Carter, but he he didn't want to reciprocate. No, I mean, I think if if you are paid what Keith Carter and Zach Selman are paid, <laughs> like there might could be kind of a public, you know, An issue donation to a charity or something like that in the name of the yeah. other. But in terms yeah. of donning the school colors of the in-state rival, tough. probably not best in terms of maintaining yeah. relationships we're, with your own constituency. Were we, were we on air when I discussed what would happen if I lost? I don't think we were, were we? No. Morgan, did you hear what my, my play for for Keith Carter was? No. I said if I lose, I'd come be his administrative assistant for a day, and I'd answer the phone, hotty toddy, it's a great day at Ole Miss, how can I help you? All day long. That's a good idea. Keith, Keith actually that thought was that great. was pretty good. It's really like, good, I, I but just... it's like, what is what is the reciprocation to that? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Well, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, yeah, that'd be fun. We'd get a big kick out of that. Um, and if I win, it'd be great. But the truth is, I would welch on the bet if I lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. basically what he said. That's um, what he said. So. Which, I mean, I guess if you admit that on the front end, then uh, you're uh, you're good to go. Yeah, you, you know what? I think deep down, I can respect like that. that opportunity. Is that what you think? Well, I mean, you came up with the idea. Do you think? Do you think Keith would spring for a Southern Coop for lunch that day? Maybe. All right. Well, then maybe maybe I do want that to happen secretly, deep down inside. Hey, one more exchange. Well, I say one more. If they continue to be funny, we'll continue to pass them along. Another exchange from the FSU Board of Trustees meeting. That's that's a good philosophy about everything. By the way, if it continues to be funny, we'll continue to pass it along. Uh, Trustee Justin Roth calls for an exit plan out of the ACC in the next 12 months. So that could mean giving notice to leave by August 15th of 2024. To which FSU trustee Bob Sasser responds, We've been talking about this for a year and we haven't made any progress. Ooh. I'm going to be honest. You guys are going to think I'm crazy. At least for one of these two. I want Clemson and Florida State in the SEC. Why? Sure. What do they add? Big games. That's what they add. Florida State coming to Oxford or Starkville would feel big. It would. Yes. It, it, it just, it would. It would feel big. And then Clemson's just, at this point, just a really good, solid, stable program. They add a, another good football team. You know, I, I make fun of Clemson. Nightlife there's not not the best. 
but it, it they they fit in the SEC. It's a it's an SEC oh. town. It's an SEC fan base. The stadium is really well done. The atmosphere is awesome. They play good ball. It's not hard to get to. So, so follow up question: Adding Florida State and Clemson makes it harder, right? Makes the SEC harder. It does you had you had two good mm-hmm. teams? Does it make it better? Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, you have the last. I mean, how far back can I go? No, no, I don't. I don't mean better in terms of like academic accomplishment. I mean, it's like the SEC as a whole. No, I'm not talking about academic. I'm talking about like the last. I, I meant to say athletic, from what from fifteen. I'm sorry. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 Not. Not in. Terms yeah, I think of, it makes it better. Okay. You've got the whole state of South Carolina locked down. It's a. It's a good state. You got two thirds of the state of Florida, and Miami at that point would just be adrift. What would they do? You'd have the two biggest universities in Florida. It's two national brands. Florida State and, and Tennessee and Clemson are teams that have fans across the nation. Yeah, you, you add a lot when you add those two schools. You also add to uh, to basketball and baseball. Florida State most years has been good. They were bad last year, uh, and in baseball, that's two of the better programs in the country. Here's where I think I pause. I agree with everything both of you said. I think for for fans, for for viewership, yeah, really cool. And and yes, you had good departments, not just good school, not just good football programs. But I think next, starting next year, the SEC, in terms of football scheduling in particular, is going to feel like a conference again for the first time since it left 12 and went to 14. When it went to 14 teams and you went through this long period of, you know, teams in the opposite division that's not your permanent opponent, you're only going to see them on your campus once a little over every decade, that doesn't feel like a conference. It just just doesn't. I mean, we're talking about how long it's been since Mississippi State has been to Gainesville. The fact that Georgia still has not been to Texas A&M. Still. That's I yeah. just, I'm so glad that that concept is ending. But and, and next year that goes away. You're adding two more teams. You're sticking with an eight-game schedule, and yet it is going to feel more like a conference than it ever has. Yeah. So what if you add two more and go to 18? Then you would have to go to the nine, which everybody thinks they're going to nine anyway. But that, you would have to. Uh, to, if you if you want to preserve what's going to feel really good next year, the the schedule rotation, then you would have to you would have to go there. But the 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 big question that's driving all this: Florida State can scream and cry and carry on for for as long as they want to, but if Disney slash ESPN is not going to increase the money an adequate amount, guess who's not getting an invite to the SEC? Yeah, but I don't know that we know that about the SEC. We do know that about the Big Ten. So the Big 12 had it written in where any new Power 5 member gets a full pro rata share. I saw reporting today from hmm, Brett McMurphy or Pete Thamel or Andy Staples or one of those big national guys that said, here's the problem with the conversation about Oregon and Washington potentially joining the Big Ten. The combination of CBS, Fox, and NBC 
are not going to pay an additional $70 million per school per year for new entrants into the Big Ten. They're not going to do it. So the example we used last week are the current 14 members of the Big Ten, when you include USC and UCLA, are they willing to take the pie and instead of slicing it into 14 pieces, slice it into 16 pieces? You, does anybody want to take a guess at the answer to that question? The answer is no. Yeah. The answer is decidedly no. So what are we talking about? Could blow it up if, if they find a way, and then I, I don't know. I mean, it's the the volatility of all oh, this is fascinating. You think they're going to blow up a deal that is paying every school in the league seventy million dollars a year? Exactly. So no, um, and I don't know that legally they could blow it up if both sides weren't interested in blowing it up. So then they might be kicking and screaming for the next thirteen years. What I don't get. And, and we're running out of time here in this segment, is there's reporting from, from Thamel earlier that the Big Ten has started going down the road of figuring out what adding Oregon and Washington would look like, and also Stanford and Cal. I, I've thought about it all day, and aside from academic prowess, which is, that's not what drives any of this. It's... It, it's semi-professional. It's professional sports. What on earth are you doing, considering adding California to the Big Ten? That that just feels and sounds so goofy to me. I mean, is it really that much better of an academic institution than Clemson to the point where you'd rather explore Cal than Clemson? I mean, that's they add nothing in sports. They add nothing in fan base. But it's a it's a good school. Uh, bizarre that that anecdote was bizarre to me. It's going to cost you more to go to them to play games. It's going to cost them more to come to you to play games. Yeah, no, I agree. It makes no sense. Stop pretending no sense. like academics matter here. They don't. They don't. The academics don't matter anymore. They never really have, but they don't. It's professional sports. When you're negotiating a billion-dollar television deal, it's not amateur students anymore. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming with you at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. we got more coming up with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. So we're getting uh, we're getting more news out of the state of Iowa about gambling, and 
is it something that we should be concerned about or eh, not so much? And and you've really got you get you get two stories. Yeah. So Hunter Deckers, Iowa State quarterback Hunter Deckers, this according to David Purdom at ESPN, who covers sports betting, has been accused of betting on events involving the Cyclones, including a 2021 football game, and is among four current or former athletes at the university charged with tampering with records related to an ongoing investigation by the Iowa Criminal Division. An affidavit included with the criminal complaint filed Monday in the Iowa District Court for Story County alleges approximately 366 bets, totaling $2,799, were placed on a DraftKings sportsbook account linked to Deckers, including 26 on Iowa State sporting events. Hmm. It alleges that he bet on an Iowa State football game against Oklahoma State in October of 2021. Deckers did not play in the game, and the affidavit does not reveal which team or what type of bet he made on the game. It's one that the Cyclones won by a field goal. It alleges that he was under 21, which is the legal betting age in Iowa, and he disguised his identity with the help of his parents, Scott and Jamie Deckers. Hmm. So that he can focus on his studies and on the defense of this criminal charge, Hunter has informed the university and the coaching staff that he cannot participate in fall football camp. Okay. So you have that. And a video of him has leaked where he's not using an app or anything, but putting a $500 bet on his team is on this video, and he's holding a drink at a bar. But be a tough okay. legal defense to build when you're on video betting $500 on, allegedly on video. Yeah, not, uh, not great. That's tough. You got a wrestler at Iowa State who made 113 online bets worth over $3,000 with 12 wagers on Iowa State football games. Uh, and then you get this story from On3, the On3 site that covers Iowa. Iowa kicker Aaron Blom was accused of underage sports wagering, according to John Stepp of the Gazette. Um. And what's the deal, Borky? He was, his mom uh, helped him. He used his mom's identity? His, his, his mom helped him. He didn't steal her identity or anything. Like, she knew. And the best part is, he bet an under on his team. And as you know about Iowa offensively in their games, betting the under on Iowa football is not a gamble. That's just I mean, sound business not, investing. Yeah, that's... That, that's not insider trading there. It's that's funny. something we all knew. It's not like that's inside information. <laughs> I yeah. hope. I didn't need Jordan Belfort to tell me that. I knew that one already. I really need to hear a lawyer. This needs to go to trial with a jury, and I need to hear a lawyer explain why that wasn't gambling. <laughs> why that wasn't I want inside to, you know, information. I need to you hear know how like You know how like state law, state law preempts certain things, blah, blah, blah? I say if your mom says you can do it, it's fine. My mom tells me I'm allowed to do something. I'm allowed to do it. 
as of this morning, he was still on the team. But they may cut him just because he's not any good. He was one for three on field goals and one of one on extra points last year. May not be a big loss. Maybe it was insider trading. He's like, ah, I'm not very good. If it comes down to it, I can't make field goals. Maybe. So what is it about the state of Iowa? I mean, Iowa is ground zero for underage students' sports gambling. Here, here's my larger They just question. got caught. That's all. It's Iowa got caught. Yeah. Some, somebody in We're going to have Brandon Walker on later to talk about Iowa and why it's so terrible. So he'll, he'll, fl- he'll fill us in. Sure, that's a, uh, that's a great plan. <laughs> I, I have heard other people float this idea out, right? Have the I mean, dump you had, button ready. You had Kevin Durant, star in the NBA, talking openly about the fact that the NBA needed to get rid of its penalties for smoking weed. And he basically said, look, the whole league does it. And he asked what was asked what Adam Silver thought of his statement when he came to talk to him about it. He's like, well, I smelled like weed when I walked into his office, so I know he probably thought knew what I thought. Okay. Um, that has become far more acceptable uh, across the United States. Not everywhere, and not everybody's for it, but but it's far more acceptable. Is the fact that sports betting has been legalized in so pl- many places making this more acceptable? Are we trending toward a deal where that gets dropped, or is that a, that's not changing ever? You just simply cannot gamble if you're an athlete, at least not in season. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Hour. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Show's brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. All information about upcoming events is available on their website. Again, visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow along on all of their social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. So we get into the fall, things get busier. You need to keep up with what's going on in and around Oxford. You can do that with the events page online at visitoxfordms.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Geyser Falls Water Park, that's one of the places that you can go at Pearl River Resort, especially to cool off during these hot days and weekends. And your weekends may be getting a little busier uh, a month from now. So uh, you can take advantage over the next few weeks uh, Geyser Falls. Learn more about the water park at geyserfalls.com or at pearlriverresort.com. And, of course, the ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Uh, David says if kids throw games over a C-note, bet it won't be long before the Gambino family going to come visiting. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit yesterday when the the quarterback thing broke. But no, I, I don't think you can allow it. The, the comparison I used was like if you're a doctor, for example, and you've got surgery at four, you can't have a couple beers over lunch at two. Is it really going to affect your performance? Probably not. Two beers sh- shouldn't affect an adult man. 
hours before. It's just something that you can't do, that you don't do as somebody in a position of privilege. I know that's a kind of a buzzword now, but you get my point. College athletes and professional athletes get things that so, normal so, people don't. So, so whether the activity itself actually affects the performance or not, the appearance that it could affect the performance is simply why you too can't much do to it. swallow. Yeah, that's why you can't do it. Uh, you, hey, Dan, you, what were you going to say? I forgot. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. I just had like a little anecdote. It was nothing nothing major. But, yeah, you, you cannot even have the illusion of the games and the competitive integrity of the games being compromised. That, that's what makes sports so great, right, is they are unscripted. The NFL, despite what some idiot conspiracy theorists online said, thanks to Arian Foster's joke on a podcast, uh, the NFL is not scripted. That's the beautiful thing about sports is w- when you turn your TV on on Sunday at noon, you have no idea what the result of the game is going to be. Wait, I thought you guys thought that Saints game was rigged. The game wasn't rigged. The game wasn't rigged. Not There was no bias. It was just incompetency. I've been saying this for years. Well, they should check the betting history of said official, but, you know. It, it, they should check the mental history of that official. That, that too. But no, should like, check the, to see if he was ever in a car wreck with a massive head trauma. They didn't pick the winner. The, the teams picked the winners. And if you – and for an example – Receiver drops a wide-open pass over the middle, which would have been the go-ahead touchdown in a game inside of two minutes, and your team loses the game. You already have them dealing with the negativity that comes from that in the Internet age. Imagine now accusations. Well, I know why he dropped the ball. He put five grand on his team to lose that game. That's why he dropped it. And even though it wouldn't be true... Doesn't matter. You can't allow that discourse into the results of the games. Just like the SEC shouldn't have a business manager in Birmingham officiating Alabama and Auburn games. He can do the best job in the world, but if something goes wrong, integrity gets questioned. You need to have fail-safes in there to make that just a conspiracy and nothing more. And we get a message that says it's like insider trading it's illegal unless you're nancy pelosi <laughs> mentioned that yesterday yeah politicians get to trade stocks all they want even though they have inside info and nothing happens to them imagine that but the and, rest and, of us and it doesn't matter what the size of the bet is right you used the example of five thousand a second ago but we talked about the quarterback and it was what 300 bets and it totaled like twenty nine hundred dollars and somebody said well, was he betting like five dollars a game I don't know that that matters. I, I, I was thinking about um, the the Showtime show Billions, going back and rewatching it, and there was a line that that Axe had where he was talking to a buddy of his. This was the episode where they went to the Metallica concert, and his buddy overheard some information that he was giving to somebody that he worked with, and went and made some trades on his own, and then he had to come clean to Axe at the end, and he was like, "How much are you down?" And the guy him hauls, and he's like. Come on, tell me how much our friendship was really worth. $200,000. Oh, okay, good to know. It's not the size of the bet that matters. It's the kind of the betrayal piece that is there. 
Yeah. So yeah. Back to the doctor example. If I if I'm getting surgery and I find out my doctor did a shot of whiskey before the surgery, it's like he's probably not drunk. But what were you? Why? What were you doing? Maybe just to calm his nerves. And you're not operating on me anymore. Yeah. It's like a pilot. If you see your pilot in the airport bar and then he gets behind the or gets in the cockpit of your airplane, how comfortable are you? Not very. Not very. Not very. Yeah. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Darren says, remember the Black Sox scandal? Uh, of course. Borky's actually got big-time knowledge of that because he's got a buddy that is uh, yeah, what, man. distantly related to Shoeless Joe? To my, he's my best friend, uh, has been since we were little kids, is the great, great nephew. I think it's double great nephew of, of Shoeless Joe. So his name is Joe Jackson. His dad's name is, is Joe Jackson. And they have all of the stuff at their house that the Hall of Fame wants. They have been offered... Money and more money and more money and all kinds of stuff to get. They, I mean, they've got his World Series ring. They've got cleats and bats and jerseys and documents and all this stuff. And the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, has offered them so much, and they refuse. They say, you can have it when you let him in. And there used to be bumper stickers all over town that would say, Hall, Yes. To, to get Shoeless Joe in the Hall of Fame. So the city decided to build one uh, just for him. So there is a Shoeless Joe Jackson Hall of Fame next to the minor league park downtown uh, where where a lot of his memorabilia and stuff is uh, is now. But, yeah, he was uh, played in the textile mills all, all throughout town. It's how guys started playing baseball back then. And so he's a – that is a big time. And there's a big bronze statue downtown and all that. He's He's a legend there. And had his best series he ever had in the series they claimed that he threw. Time heals everything except gambling allegations. Yeah, hasn't healed that. I mean, we're talking over a hundred years ago. <laughs> hasn't hasn't healed for Joe Jackson. Hasn't healed for Pete Rose. Not gonna either. I don't think. I don't think I was about to say the same thing, and, it, and it's and it's not gonna. I mean, it doesn't really matter how many times Pete Rose says he's sorry, or how many times he admits or doesn't admit to betting on baseball or betting on his team, or you know what he was doing, what bets he was placing, where he was placing them. None of that matters because baseball is very, very clear in the same way that football. I mean, look at what the NFL has done when its players have been caught gambling on their team or otherwise. You're out. Indefinite suspension. We'll decide when you can come back. Pete Rose, banned from baseball. Lifetime ban for baseball, from baseball, for one of the greatest players ever. And, I mean, the debate, I mean, it's kind of like the Mount Rushmore thing that we have that we talk about in the summer. Yeah. yeah you got a slow day on the radio. You throw out, hey, well, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? And you have all these people that immediately, yes, yes, it should be. You know, put an asterisk or, or whatever. But the fact is he's banned from baseball. And and how do you put somebody in the Hall of Fame who quite literally is banned from the game? I don't know. But, yeah, the gambling thing You is, have to remove the ban first and, yeah. The thing about that debate is, by the way, like, how, when was the last time somebody was just really adamant about no? And, when, and I'm not talking about baseball people. I'm talking about a fan just adamantly no. He doesn't deserve to be in. He can't be in. It's ridiculous. 
You don't ever hear that. Everybody's like, it's Pete Rose. He's the, you know, baseball is about hitting and pitching. He is the all-time leading hitter. How do you not have him in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, Doesn't su- make sense. I'm such a fence straddler when it comes to stuff like that. It's a museum. Yes. You can't tell the story of baseball without talking about Pete Rose. It's a museum. It, add the context you need to add. Banned from the sport, gambling, like that. All these. That's all part of the story too. So, so you don't induct him as a Hall of Famer, but there is part of the museum where you tell the story of Pete Rose. It's fine compromise to me. I bring him. In. I would bring him in the Hall of Fame and just put it on his plaque. Put the story on his plaque. Hmm. You know, on this date, he was banned because of this reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get the impression from the NCAA or from conference officials or from anything we're seeing in professional sports where the idea of being allowed to gamble while you're a player is going away anytime soon. When we come back, let's hear from Will Hall after the first day of camp for Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. This is, nope, 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 no, we'll hold off that. We'll talk with John Machota next on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll get to Will Hall after that. What do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Time to mix in a little NFL news as we are kind of in the middle of college camps starting. NFL camps have already started, which means the Dallas Cowboys are in California, which means I make my annual check of what the weather's like in Oxnard and like always, it's 74 degrees and sunny. John Machota joins us from The Athletic, covers the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think, John, you saw Dak Prescott throw an interception yesterday and it felt online like the world was coming to an end. Uh, I guess that does happen from time to time in the uh, the early stages of camp. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, yeah. he uh, He's thrown a couple of interceptions, and uh, when that happens and videos are posted of it on social media, people <laughs> like to lose, your, lose their minds about it. But, uh, yeah, I'm here to tell you that he is still a Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. Uh, that's that's good to know that uh, that he didn't lose his job over a uh, a drill interception in uh, the early days of training camp. <laughs> hey, let's jump into this offensive line story. Of course, Jerry Jones has weighed in the, the Zach Martin situation. Um, not at training camp, at least as of yet. There are some that say, "Look, this is the guy that if anybody deserves to have his contract redone and paid, it's him." Jerry Jones says, "Nah, he's kind of made a lot of money at every step along the way, and we'll pay him when it's time to pay him." How's this going to play out? It's a good question because I will say when I was coming to training camp, I did not think it was going to get to the level that it is right now where uh, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are pretty dug in on this. And so because of that, um, I just I don't see them just reworking the two years left on his contract. Uh, if there's some type of an extension type thing they can get done and both sides can agree on it where he gets a little bit of a pay bump, sure. But I, I just don't I don't get the sense from the people I've talked to that the Cowboys are willing to ca- willing to cave on this and um, – you know, part of that reason is because of the precedent it would set when you talk about then other players could come back after, you know, a couple years into their contract and be like, hey, I'm outperforming this number. I need a new deal. And, and the Cowboys don't want to get in that game. That that could get that could be a bad thing. But um, you're right. If they're not going to do it for Zach Martin, they're probably not going to do it for many people because we are talking about a guy that I would think one day will be in the 
Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So it's not like you're just talking about a guy who, you know, has put a few good years together. He's put together a phenomenal career. And the other part of it is, is that there's just not very good depth on this offensive line. And so you can't really afford, you, there's really not a guy there that you can even come close to replacing Zach Martin with. So I don't think he's going to miss any games, but, um, you know, I thought maybe a week would go by and he ended up being out here. And a week has gone by and he's still not out here. So, so I guess two questions. One, which side has got leverage? Because ultimately leverage is the only thing that, that really matters in these deals. And then two, is there a hesitation for the Cowboys to extend beyond the two years remaining because of the fact that he's 32 and maybe they don't know how much time he's got left? Yeah, that's that's definitely a factor for sure. Um, and then how much longer he wants to play too because I don't think he – I think he, if he's going to keep playing, he wants to play at a high level. I mean – He's put out such phenomenal, you know, performances up to this point. I don't think he wants to be uh, necessarily kicking around if he's not playing at his best. So, yeah, that's a factor. But in terms of leverage, I just, I mean, I don't think it's really that debatable. The, the leverage is with the Cowboys because, yeah, Zach Martin has the leverage of he doesn't show up and they're without their best offensive linemen. Um, but the Cowboys, if that happens, then Zach's also being fined uh, significantly. I mean, he's already being fined $50,000 every day that he's, not out here, and he's got two years remaining on the deal, so it's not like they're just going to cut him loose and allow him to go and get that number that he wants from another team. And I don't think he wants it to go to get to that level either, but because there's two years left on that deal, you know, they don't have to do anything. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I shouldn't say that all the leverage is on the Cowboys side because there certainly is the leverage of, uh, okay, I dare you to go into week one without me. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would be pretty risky. Um, but it seems like right now, because there's still some time, you know, they haven't even played a preseason game yet. I just, uh, the Cowboys seem pretty dug in on, uh, on not making a move and, and seeing if, uh, Zach is really not going to show up at all. Visiting with John Machoda from the Athletic covers the Dallas Cowboys. He is in Oxnard, California, where the Cowboys have training camp going. I, I feel like every time we talk, we talk about Micah Parsons and, uh, you've written about him. Uh, I guess a uh, story that, that dropped yesterday uh, about him kind of being the star of, of camp. What's fascinating to me is I, I feel like he's not to his prime yet in, in terms of age. I mean, what, he's 24 years old going into his third year in the league, and, and so it feels like maybe there's still some upside, but I can't think of a ton of guys who seem to affect the game the way that he does, and there's still this drive to get better and better and better. I I don't even know what his ceiling is. Yeah, I don't think he's reached that at all. I mean, heck, I just look at from where he is as a player individually, it looks like he, he's continued to ascend just from what I've seen, you know, in practices and being around him, you know, this off season. But then the other part of it is that, there were a couple of holes on that defense, and that was their number two corner. After they dealt with a bunch of injuries, they solidified that by making a trade for Stephon Gilmore. The other was their run defense, and they re-signed Jonathan Hankins uh, at defensive tackle, and then they drafted a, a defensive tackle in the first round in Mozzie Smith. And so um, not only do I expect Micah Parsons talent-wise to still be better and, and not seeing a player that's reached his full potential, the players around him are better. And so um, – can you really, if you're an opposing offense, afford to just keep sending? Oh, well, it's just as simple as, well, we're just going to keep doubling 11 and maybe even, you know, chipping a, a third guy over there. Well, you're going to be letting some other people eat. Demarcus Lawrence looks real good at, in training camp right now. You know, they, they're, they're defensive edge group, man. I mean, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, 
Dante Fowler. I mean, they're pretty loaded up there. And then on the back end, I mean, it's the team that's led the league in takeaways the last two years. So it's like, yeah, you can possibly send that extra protection over to Micah, um, but then that's going to open it up for other people. And then if you single up Micah, well, then he's going to wreck the game. So uh, as long as he can stay healthy, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you know, Gary mentioned the other day, we can talk about the Zach Martin thing. Like, i got to pay Parsons. Yeah. He's got to pay Parsons, and as everything's going right now, it'll be paying him as the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history. Is the NFC East the best division in the NFL? Um, yeah. Well, maybe not the NFL, but in the NFC it is. Um, I don't know if I would go as far as the NFL. The NFC East? Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I, I, I look at the Eagles and the Cowboys as two of your top three teams in the NFC, and then the other being the 49ers. And so I really feel like the representative of the NFC and the Super Bowl will be one of those three teams. And so um, these, yeah, those two Eagles-Cowboys games this year, they should be amazing. I mean, that should be as good of rivalry game as we've seen in the NFC East in a long time. And uh, that can go a long way in deciding who wins the division and, and gets some home field in the playoffs. And that could be the difference in, in a matchup between them two, meeting potentially for a third time in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, when you look across the NFC, it's also it's just so wide open because you just don't have that real, you know, surefire Hall of Fame type quarterback that the NFC always seems to have at least one uh, going back a good thirty years. So it's just it's really wide open on, on top of it. And then you got a team like the Eagles, who they will be the hunted this year. You know, they weren't the hunted last year. Jalen Hurts far exceeded any expectations, and so I bring that up only because of the fact that unlike any other you know, division in, in the NFL, it's not even close. Like the NFC East, there just isn't these repeat performances. There haven't been since the mid-2000s of, you know, a team putting it together back-to-back years. And so um, maybe the Eagles will, but it seems it seems like it's a two-team race right now in the NFC East, and it would not surprise me if whoever is the better out of those two teams is the one that's in the Super Bowl. So, so I agree with you that it feels like a two-team race, but it does kind of feel like the Giants are going to play a role. I mean, Daniel Jones continuing to, to grow and develop. They get the deal done with Saquon, at least the, the one-year deal, and that seemed like a team that was a whole lot closer a year ago than they have been in recent years, that kind of gone from a train wreck to what looked like a respectable team. What role do they play in the division? Um, I mean, I do think that they've improved – but I also think the Cowboys have improved. Um, okay. And so because of that, and, and just, yeah, I mean, yeah, they can be a factor in, like, you know, splitting, uh, you know, in their two games and things like that. I just think that they're a, a little bit step back. If but, I mean, let's be honest. This is the NFL. It comes down to injuries on so many of these things. If you, you tell me the Cowboys are healthy, then, I, I mean, I'd put them up against anybody in the NFC. This is just, this is just the best Cowboys roster um that I've been around uh, easily in the last decade. I mean, yeah, maybe there's been, you know, better offenses and some better offensive lines, but on those same teams, those Cowboys defenses were some patchwork groups of like some, some really middle of the road guys that were in starting roles. This Cowboys defense, easily the best Cowboys defense going back to, I mean, beyond 2010, you'd probably have to go back to Wade Phillips. I mean, DeMarcus Ware and his prime type defenses. There hasn't been one even close to this since. And so, um, because of that, if you tell me that they stay healthy, then uh, I just think they're just they're just a step ahead of of, of the Giants and the, and the Commanders. John, last thing for you: thirty seconds left up against a hard break. So, uh, other than being the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, how much pressure is is Dak under this season? I mean, he's under pressure because he's the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. But um, 
<laughs> it's funny because the pressure to win and, and be the Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, like a Roger Staubach and Trey, and yeah, that pressure is there. But in terms of being in the NFL for a long time and making a lot of money, there shouldn't be very much pressure. Um, <laughs> he's, in a, he, he's in a great spot. And if anybody in, in Dallas or any Cowboys fans out there think that like he's not the guy and you're ready to move on, well, if you think that, that's fine. But he's going to be a quarterback somewhere in this league. So in that side, he doesn't have very much to worry about. But, I mean, I, just, I don't know. I don't I don't buy into a lot of that, and I know the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, et cetera, that they don't either. Dak Prescott's going to be the quarterback here for a while. John, always great information. Appreciate you working us in this afternoon. Good to catch up. No problem. Thanks for having me on. John Machota from The Athletic covers the Dallas Cowboys. Great insight there. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Visit with John Machota from the Athletic. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, going back to the gambling conversation in the Hall of Fame, uh, not that we want to get deep into that rabbit hole, but uh, we got a message that says uh, Paul Horning got into the Hall of Fame. What about Michael Jordan? Does baseball just have higher standards? Jordan's stuff never got proven. It's just been rumored forever. Proven, but yeah, considering I mean, his propensity to gamble, say notorious gambler. Maybe he was smart enough to not bet on the sports he was playing in. He just kept it on the golf course. I mean, they they all know not to do it. I can't wrap my mind around the, the college athletes. I get at least a little bit, but uh, man, an NFL player sitting on their phone and, and putting a hundred and fifty dollar parlay, dude, you've got a, a, a multi million dollar contract. What brings you to want to do that? That's that, that small amount. Like if they were dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars, your next thought would be. He has an addiction. Has a problem. Needs to be addressed. But when it's five hundred bucks here with their salary, this this is a guy messing around. Can't you do anything else? Download Tinder, man. Uh, instead of <laughs> just start swiping. I don't know. Uh, Long term can cost you a lot more money. Well, it could if they're married, but for the ones that aren't, just sit in your locker and set a bet. Just swipe, dude. Either way, man. Either way. By the way, did you guys watch the um, the Jordan Netflix documentary? Documentary movie? Air, yeah. I haven't watched it yet, no. It was spectacular. Yeah, Um, everybody tells me I need to watch it. You know, 5% of all revenue... Off of the Jordan brand, that was the deal that they uh, negotiated in 1984. Uh, last year, Nike's Jordan brand did 5.1 billion in revenue, which means his take was uh, north of 250 million. Last year, when's the last time you played a basketball game? 
Uh, it's a little bit better deal. We, we always give Bobby Bonilla so much credit for his deal. Jordan's was a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty darn good. All right. Uh, Southern Miss got camp started today in Hattiesburg when it was all said and done. A sweaty Will Hall met with uh, reporters outside of the uh, practice facility and talked about day one at camp. Uh, although he is absolutely looking forward to helmets and shoulder pads, uh, this was earlier today. Thank you, everybody. A lot of energy on day one. Everybody across the country is going to say that. Uh, thought, thought, you know, you can see the depth in our program, the way we practice. was a lot better last year from year one, and we've taken another step going into year three. Uh, you know, the special teams, thought we got some great punt work. And, uh, you know, I uh, thought we made some big plays at receiver, Brandon Hayes. Uh, it's really good to have him back. It's really good to have Chandler Pittman back, even though he toughed it out and played last year. Like he's back, back, and the ability to do all the things he can do in personnel was big. And uh, you know, Dylan Lawrence flashed again, really flying around back there. Got involved with a lot of plays that you got to be really talented to get there and make plays. But all in all, you know, good first day of install. Our kids pretty much know that it's about the fourth time they've been through it, and. Uh, you know, so we've got to get in here, get hydrated, got to get ready to go again. We've got to go one more day without pads, and then we get to play real football, right? Y'all know how I feel about football without pads. So with that, I'll open it up. <laughs> so, uh, or maybe I didn't see uh, Avery Hobbs not the yep. other day. Yeah, Avery has got a medical issue right now that I can't talk about. So he's out for a little while. Uh, we've got great hope that we're going to get him back really soon. And uh, he's got something going on. You know, he's a tremendous young man, uh, great golden eagle, does everything right all the time. But he's going through something uh, that, that's above my pay grade to talk about. And uh, But we hope to have him back in the near, near future. Just when you think you have your linebackers healthy? We do have – yeah, I mean, well, we, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, he played outside. We got Jaleel Clemens, Josh Carr, and Tremont Henry. You know, it's hard to have more than – it's hard to have more than a 3D plus one, even if you're Alabama and Georgia. You know, I know everybody likes to harp on that. and That's been an issue for us, you know. But, yeah, he wasn't here today. But we got Jaleel Clemens, Josh Carr, and Tremont Henry, and Caleb Garner. So we got a 3D plus one, which is, you know, that's that's what you want even if you're old Ohio State or wherever. So. I speak the huge benefit of being able to have OTAs. And uh, what stood out to you this year's OTAs compared to last year's? Yeah, just just the ability to hand the keys over to our young men, you know, um, you know, just like raising children. You know, when they're five years old, you can't. At least I don't think as a parent, everybody gets to raise their kids how they want to. I don't think you should leave them at home by themselves, you know. But uh, as they get older and you train them how to do things, you can go to the grocery store when they're 12, 13, whatever, and leave them at home for a little while and come back. We're at a place now going into year three with so many older guys. We can leave the house and they can run it. And not only can they run it, they can run it right because wrong type of work is more detrimental than work. You know what I mean? You want to work the right way. And so going into year three, I think we've been able to work more because our older guys know how to work the right way. Uh, Coach, in what ways were you encouraged by the quarterback play today? <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yeah, I thought it was a good first day. Uh, you know, I think they're really taken to the offense. You know, they, they, they were at, made accurate ball. I thought our kids made a lot of plays. thought they were able to make a lot of plays with the ball location and uh, thought they made some good checks. Uh, so we just got to continue to grow and move with that. Uh, you talked about the excitement around the depth that you have this year. Now you've got everyone out here. What are you feeling about it? Well, I think the case in point was just like what Andrew said. You know, Hobbs is not here. We still got Josh Carr, Jaleel Clemens, and Trayvon Henry. You know, like year one, we wouldn't even been able to. I mean, we'd have been playing somebody out there that, you know, couldn't start at Jeff Davis County. You know what I'm saying? So uh, 
that that's encouraging. You know, if somebody goes down, you know, there's somebody, a real college football player replacement, that's what you want to be able to run three groups and practice the right way and get the number of reps you need. First look at the secondary, thought it looked really good. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot, you know, it's we, we did lose a lot of starters and good players, but, you know, when you look at Michael Carraway, Brendan Tolles have made a lot of plays for this football program in big moments. Then you add somebody like MJ Daniels, Quiz McNeil, you know, really highly recruited kids. You had two uh, freshmen like Centorio Willis and, and Will Drekus from Tylertown. You know, and Centorio made a great play today. And then you talk about Jay Jones and Markel McLaurin and adding Dylan Lawrence and Elijah Sabatini and Cam Knox. Like, those are really talented kids that were highly recruited. So, are we inexperienced? Yes. But do we have talent? Yes. So, uh, we got to coach them up and get them ready to play. Can you just kind of speak to the uh, addition of JQ Grace to the offense? Yeah, we're excited about JQ. You know, he's in a stacked running back room, one of the deeper running back rooms that I've ever been a part of. JQ is good lightning in a bottle. He is going to be a great weapon for us at some point in his career. How soon that happens, I don't know. Uh, but before he leaves Southern Miss, people will know who that is. You know, Coach, I didn't have Sabatini during the spring. Any takeaways just from the summer you can add on him? Yeah, well, number one, we know he's a physical kid uh, because we knew him from high school. We know where he comes from. His granddaddy's been a long-time great coach in this state. And uh, he's a tough guy, and he can really run. So, uh you know, it's been great to add. It's been great to get another Coast kid. You know, we love the Coast here. That We feel like the Coast is, is Southern Miss's place. And uh, so, we, I'm just, he's, he's a really good kid. He smiles. And uh, we're excited to have him. He is over there with Dylan Lawrence right now. So, he's to the field. Yep. That's not right. He's with Dylan Lawrence to the boundary. Jay Stanley's to the field. Him and Dylan are to the boundary. Coach, you know, with this being the first day of practice and all that, how, how quick do you think the guys were to kind of get to speed and get to that, like, you know, like practice mentality almost, you know? I think they're there. Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays, you know, they got back May the 30th, the way we train and the way we do. I don't think that's an issue anymore with us. We got so many returners and the way we work every day. So I don't think that's an issue as far as getting the speed. You know, we got to put pads on. You can convince yourself of anything when you don't have pads on because at the end of the day, football is played with pads. And uh, some people rise to that. Some people sink to that, sink below that. So, uh, you know, we got to gotta get through another day tomorrow, and then we'll put the pads on, and that's when you kind of really start figuring things out. Going back to the quarterback, so what are some of the specific qualities that Billy and Holman have that have to do in the office? Yeah, so number one, accuracy. Uh, number, I don't think you can create that once I get them. Number two is toughness, both mental and physical. I don't think you can create that once I get them. I think you can add to it. Uh, and then number three, the way they treat people around them. You know, I think their teammates would tell you, you know, they've already moved in with several old linemen, you know, and different ones and different friends. They've already got off-campus places with them. That's how quick they were able to latch on to people and people to take to them. So, you know what Jay Stanley said at Media Day, I think, really resonated with me and everybody. You can tell our kids believe in them because they how they attack every day and, uh, you know, those type things. What we're looking for, everybody keeps asking what we're looking for. We're looking for people that can execute the play call, the way we coach it, number one. So if the play call is there, we want it executed. Now, what is that? That's putting your eyes in the right spot, and that is throwing it in a way that it can be called. And then after that, who can make plays off script? Who can make plays when it's not there? Who can create a little bit? So we're looking for number one, we want to make the plays that are there. And then number two, we want to make plays off script. 
That was Will Hall earlier today after practice number one in shorts. He pointed out once again he does not like football in shorts. He said football is meant to be played in pads. Will Hall appearing on the Farm Bureau guest line. Kind of like two days in a row. We just got to ask the questions yesterday. We'll be back. More Sports Talk Mississippi after this. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. Hard not to just kind of bounce a little in your seat when you hear the beginning of that, is it? Wiggle your shoulders a touch. Um, anything stand out to you from uh, what Will Hall said? Just kind of first day stuff. You hear him talking about the depth. You know, he's a couple guys out, but we've got the depth there. That's something they haven't had the past couple of years. So having that, it's gonna it's gonna go a long, long way for them. What do you say we uh, we pick up the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days? This day is bananas. E A N A N A S. This day is bananas. One hundred teams in one hundred days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown. Team number thirty-one on the countdown of one hundred teams in one hundred days. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Shout out to Bunky Parkins. It's okay. That's actually team number 32 on the count, not team number 31. Tulsa went. Uh, we are 31 days seven. away today, though, so we got one more if we can squeeze them in. Yeah, we'll work one more catch in, up the, is uh, fine. in the in the five o'clock hour. Uh, Tulsa went five and seven last year and uh, decided that was not good enough. They showed Philip Montgomery the door. And Philip Montgomery is now in the SEC as the offensive coordinator for the Auburn Tigers. So he is working on Hugh Freeze's staff, and Kevin Wilson gets the opportunity to uh, to be the head coach. Kevin Wilson, the former head coach at Indiana, right? What wasn't he the head coach at Correct. Indiana? Yeah, yeah. Seventh Correct. year overall as a head coach, first year at Tulsa. They are returning Braylon Braxton, uh, a sophomore quarterback. Now you may remember that. Davis Brin started last season as hot as a firecracker. Through through two weeks, he was leading the country in passing yards and touchdowns and all that good stuff. But he got hurt, got banged up. Braylon Braxton got in, saw a little bit of him in the Ole Miss game. You may remember that Tulsa played Ole Miss in week four last year. It was a relatively close game. Ole Miss won that one by a final of 35-27. to, uh, to 27. Tulsa won... Two of their first four games, and, you know, if not for a double overtime loss in the season opener at Wyoming, it was a pretty bad Wyoming team when it was all said and done. Maybe Philip Montgomery's still the head coach because they would have been 6-6 six and six and they would have gone to a bowl game. I, I don't know. Um, Tulsa is 
So they play in the American Conference. They're an interesting team to me in that they've got a tiny student body. One of the two of you, I think it was Borky, pointed out like that crazy stat last year that like like 7% of the entire student population is on the football team. What Wasn't it some crazy number like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tiny school. Tiny school. Stadium's nice, but it's small. Fan support's not very good. But they've won some games. Um, I don't know what you make of a team like Tulsa. They have a pretty good player coming back in Braylon Braxton. Um, they've got some guys that ran the football with success a year ago coming back. Yeah, mix on offense and defense. But they're probably going to be a middle-of-the-pack to bottom-half team in an American conference that's going to look a lot different this year than it did a year ago. So that's kind of the crazy thing. We focus so much on conference realignment at the at the Power 5 level. What's the Big 12 doing? What's the Pac-12 doing? Man, if you didn't keep up in the offseason, figuring out who is in the American may be a bit of a challenge. So UTSA joins the American this year. SMU has been there, and they stay. But apparently the Pac-12 has its eyes on SMU. Tulane is still there. Memphis is still there. Florida Atlantic joins the American this year. East Carolina is still there. North Texas is a new team. Temple has been there. Navy has been there. Navy's got a new head coach. UAB makes the move over. So does Charlotte. So does Rice. You've still got USF. But their rival, UCF, is now in the Big 12, and then you've got Tulsa. So I thought last year's version of the American was a pretty good football conference. When you had Houston, you had Cincinnati, you had UCF, some programs that supported their team. Where does the American stack up now in the mind for for you guys? Among the kind of the, the overall conference landscape, because they, they they branded themselves as the Power Six. You remember? Yeah. I don't know that I'd run that marketing yeah. campaign out there again. Yeah, the the their power is now in the Big Twelve. Yeah. And so now you you don't have a lot going on there. Do you guys agree with the idea that the Sun Belt is the uh, the most difficult group of five conference? No doubt. I would I would I would agree with that. Yes. Yeah, in terms of depth. It's going to be a, a fascinating year. So that's Tulsa, kind of, in the uh, countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. They were number 32. College football fix when we come back. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, the final hour of the work week for Michael Borky. He's abandoning abandoning us for the uh, next couple of days. Yeah. We bid him adieu. I'm going to go hang out with all the Clemson fans that are desperate to go to Big Ten country. That'll be great. All, all the jokes about You should wear an SEC shirt off. the whole time. Yeah. I would love, if you want to compare time off balances at the end of 2023 and 22 and 21 and 20 and 19 and 18 and 17, we can. 
Uh, it sounds to me like you're not doing a a good job of using the uh, the days that you're allotted. Yeah, all that, I know is they give you the days. You should take them. That two is days accurate. last week we had no Michael Borky. Two days this week we got no Michael Borky. But you know, hey, t- last tell me more week, about it being me. Last week a three year old was uh, so sick he couldn't stand up. It's all fine. It's all and, fine. And this week, yeah, I, I am. Oh yeah, yeah. Gonna. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, there are always reasons. There are oh, always yeah. reasons. But uh, for the rest of the year, between Monday when I get back and the end of football season, do you hear, do you I will be taking being, hey, one day off. Very and sensitive. I don't know if the same can be said for the, the rest of this show. No. You're right. No, it can't I know. Be. I'll take more. I, yeah. I can assure you. Oh, no, I know. I I, I talk so much crap, and then for 10... I have to work like half the time I, I take days off, so eh, it's all right. Uh, yeah, out of the last no 10 complaints. shows, uh, the last two weeks, uh, I will be there for six. That's not a good ratio. That that, that, that doesn't... That's not a passing grade. You no, are, it's not. You are correct. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time and plan your trip there to 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. That's Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, part of Pearl River Resort. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer-inspired. Let's jump into the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Got the summer sales event going on, which means savings on Ford trucks and SUVs. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So, um, Borky, hey dad, I noticed, I, I opened Twitter uh, around lunchtime today, and the, uh, the little notification tab the bell at the bottom. I'm sorry, I opened X earlier today. It had um, the little blue number sign was 20. And I opened oh, it again now, and I see 17, and I thought, what in the world is going on? And then I found out that, uh, once again, Southern Miss fans were enraged with the two of you. No, it wasn't the two of us. It was all. Oh, they threw you threw you in, buddy. Because they threw you in because we dared not. We we somehow missed an article, a Gannett article yesterday. Which, sorry, it's easy to miss those. Uh, They're circuit anyway. um, Not going to be mean today. It's just it's easy to miss those sometimes, and uh, we got accused of covering up the story because we were so offended at the story. Uh, I, I need to introduce you to the mute feature because I wouldn't have seen any of this had had Haydad not engaged and and you not mentioned it. Mute is a beautiful thing. I just but I there's an article uh, about. I'm not. I'm not running. I'm not hiding. Uh, Southern Mrs. Jason Brownlee's having a, a good camp up there with the Jets apparently, and I uh, had a, had a highlight catch the other day that was 
it's like, how did he catch it? What? Like it's it looks like it's edited. Like that DK Metcalf jump that everybody thinks is real. Uh, for that commercial he did. See, Borky, you're that's making it. it about Ole Miss right uh, now. Know, you're talking about the Southern Miss guy, but you're yeah. making it about Ole Miss. But that, that's that's what it looked like. But no, no editing. That was uh, that was very real. Mm-hmm. And part of a, a long feature that the author called Associated Press uh, wrote about him in this link in the Hattiesburg American, which, again, article written by Associated Press, so we know who to credit uh, did a long feature about him, and part was him being under-recruited and finding his way to Southern Miss. And the author adds an anecdote, and here's what he says. Southern Miss came calling, and Brownlee quickly made his mark there, too. He led the Golden Eagles in catches, yards, and touchdown receptions in his first two seasons. Then schools such as Ole Miss and Mississippi State asked him to transfer, but Brownlee declined. Quote, I was like, no. I'm sticking with the school that stood beside me, so I keep putting on for my school and showed them loyalty, and everything wasn't easy there either because I played with like 20 different quarterbacks over my college career, so I had to make the most of every opportunity. End quote. So, first of all, you loved it. That mentality's awesome. You love to hear that. Um, for, for all the stuff about the transfer portal in college football, there's a lot of guys that have opportunities to go that choose to stay, even at schools that are smaller than others. And so that that's that's awesome, and you, and you love that mentality. The author, according to the link called Associated Press, um, Mr. Press kind of screwed up though, because I don't understand why there's no there's no author. I don't know why we don't know who the author Gannett. is. On this. It, it, anyway, we don't need to do that. But it's because it's Gannett. That's why. Um, if he said out loud to you. I was contacted by Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You quote his words. That, that, that's a misstep there from, from the author, putting that in as an anecdote, as opposed to quoting the individual. But anyway, even that anecdote, which again, the author should have quoted the individual, that's like journalism inside baseball stuff, he should have put it in quotes. Not putting it in quotes delegitimizes the statement, but either way. Um, so the Miss fans are hot. How dare Ole Miss and Mississippi State tamper with Jason Brownlee? And, and so that uh, apparently is um, a source of, of anger. I'm, I'm just going to go all in on making them mad, I guess, because the answer that he gives, re- reread the answer. I was like, could. no, I'm sticking with the school that stood beside me, so I just kept putting on for my school and showed them loyalty. And everything wasn't Sorry, easy I don't there. anymore. Okay. We're good. That reads like the question was, did you ever consider entering the transfer portal? That's, that's what the question reads like. That's what the answer reads like to me. Like somebody asked me, did you ever consider entering the transfer portal? I don't. I mean, I want to see a quote where he mentions Mississippi State or Ole Miss. I'm, I'm with Borky on this. Because to me, all that, that question sounds like that somebody just asked him a generic transfer portal question. He said, no, I wanted to stay loyal to the school that was loyal to me. Okay. There's no there's no there's no quote from Brownlee saying the words Mississippi State or Ole Miss. But hold on a second. It's not a stretch for us to believe that Mississippi State and or Ole Miss, Ole Miss and or Mississippi State through intermediaries 
would have reached out to a guy like Jason Brownlee, who had had the success in the previous two seasons, and said, there's a spot for you if you want it. Or however they frame those conversations. If, if they in didn't, the same way, I would have. I mean, if they didn't, I would have. If I were a staff member at Ole Miss and I needed to build a wide receiver room, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that to get a guy like him, of course. Yes. But what have we talked about on this show, right? Tampering's happening everywhere. And, and so I understand the outrage from a Southern Miss fan. It's like, man, the two in-state schools in your state are trying to take the kid that you went and got and believed in when nobody else believed in? Yeah, that's kind of how it works. You know what Auburn did when they were looking for a quarterback last year? They talked they to do, all hey, of them. Hey, Dad, who did, who did they reach they out to, to a bunch of them. that played for a, te- uh, a team in Mississippi? Allegedly. We are led to believe that Auburn had a big interest in Will Rogers. Will Rogers was contacted by other schools. You know who else was contacted by other schools this past offseason? Quinshawn Judkins. Quinshawn Judkins. Basically every school that exists. And was offered a lot of money to enter the transfer portal and move away. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but those offers led to him getting even more from his current school. And and frankly, if Ole Miss had not stepped up in the way that it did through the Grove Collective to get a deal done with Quinshawn Judkins, he would be in a different color uniform this year, playing for a different team. It's just where it is. So hat tip to Jason Brownlee for saying, nah, I'm good. Love it. That That's the cool part of the story to me. Frank Gore did the same thing. He could have gone somewhere else. No nah. doubt. Chose no not to. No question he could have. They chose to stay and play for Will Hall and play for Southern Miss. And um, even though he went undrafted, sounds like it's paying off for Jason Brownlee. Uh, he's got a really good training camp going on with the Jets. Here's hoping he makes the team, sticks with them, and, and has a, uh, a great season. Um. The, the, the system there's in some, place is such a problem. There's nothing burger though. to this story, but I understand. I, like, I get the outrage. I, I do. We had seen I this won't be good enough for We talked about it yesterday, but it's okay. Won't be good enough. We'll still get. We'll still take crap. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices. On Super Talk Mississippi. In our next segment, we will hear from Lane Kiffin after Ole Miss's first day of camp. Let's right now, though, go to the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Of Ole Miss State and Southern, which coach shows the most excitement in an interview? I mean, it's Will Hall, hands down. Yeah. Those rankings would go Hall, Arnett, Kiffin. All yes. Arnett, very large gap, size of the Pacific Ocean, Lane Kiffin. Unless Mariana's Trench. When, when, we're, when we're talking about post-practice com- press conferences, now it changes a little bit if it's a national interview or there is a large audience there for Lane Kiffin. Yeah. 
changes in that point. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Michael, you guys need to get Luke on to be the voice for the USM fan base on this. Uh, yeah, we'll have Luke on later in the week. Maybe tomorrow. Um, let's see here. What else have we got? Bubba in Starkville says that Southern Miss fans need to shut up. Um, Mike and Collins says, I'm a huge Southern Miss fan and none of this bothers me. I mean, Owen Gulfport, I'm just glad that nobody has gotten Frank Gore Jr. Uh, they've, they've tried. It's not, not for lack of trying. No doubt people have tried, yeah. The system allowing it to go on sucks. Honestly, it sucks. It it sucks that Quinshawn Judkins got sent a bunch of offers after Ole Miss recruited him the hardest when he was kind of an under-recruited guy relative to, you know, the SEC and a, a guy of his caliber. Just to be the one that I, that goes all in on in on him and identifies him, uh, just to he, then he hit the portal and just fields offers from SEC schools all over. That sucks. And then it's going to happen again after this year. Let him have another good season. And tell me what what's going to get thrown his way from the likes of Auburn. Seven, he'll, he'll be a seven-figure football player next year. Watch if he if if he has another year like the one he had last year and catches the ball out of the backfield, he'll be a seven-figure football player next year. And really, really will be fascinating to watch how that plays out. Yeah, it will. Because there there is a line. You, you, but anyway, that's something that Ole Miss fans will have to worry about next year. That sucks. I mean, we had fun the other day, and again, I had to do some unmuting to to see it. But you guys called out, no, making fun of Auburn because they tried to get every single quarterback that existed. I mean, they tried <laughs> and they tried and they tried. And what's so funny about Auburn doing all that crap is the person at the top and what they present themselves versus what they do behind the scenes. Yeah. I, I'm, so, no, the, the system sucks. It, it sucks that you've got players on your team that get two rounds of free agency if they want it every single year. A three-year starter can enter free agency six times, and the tampering that goes on is is insane. I mean, I've heard stories. Yeah, but you got to be really good to, to take advantage of that. You do, and you know that's the maximum. And you know, uh, your your current team would get fed up with you if you hit the portal every window. They'd eventually just tell you to to move on and just get out. But the the stories that I've heard from and about current Ole Miss players, for, forget the Southern Miss side of this for a second. Current Ole Miss players, quarterback, running back. Wide receivers, defensive linemen, the the guys that weren't even particularly good on last year's team. They are contacted all the time. They're being contacted now. They'll be contacted next month. If Quinshawn Judkins, if Aiden Williams has a really good game, let's pretend that he, the freshman, Aiden Williams, when they go to Tuscaloosa, Catches a long touchdown pass over the top of a defensive back and scores a long touchdown and Ole Miss wins the game. Guess what he's going to get on his phone Sunday morning? 
other coaches or people representing other schools trying to get in the door with him to get him to transfer after the season's over to their school. That's the that that's what will happen. So it's happening to Ole Miss players. It's happening to Mississippi State players. The system sucks. It does. But when the guy stayed and you don't even have a quote, obsessively tweeting at us about it's not really going to solve anything. You should be laughing about it. Ole Miss tried to get your guy and he stayed. That's the angle you should take, but if you want to be mad, be mad, I guess. A couple of other messages on the ceasefire text line. Brownlee did have an NIL deal at USC. I'm not sure how much it was. Obviously, not as much as other schools can offer. Uh, Robert in Oak Grove says, as a USM fan, I see nothing wrong with this. Um, so loyalty is not a thing anymore in this generation. I know money talks. However, these kids' parents have a conscience uh, over them also called loyalty, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. But but the truth of the matter is, it's a two-way street, right? I mean, what, where have players seen a lack of loyalty? They, they've seen it from their coaches. Their coaches who, I mean, as soon as they have an opportunity to go get a big paycheck, they go get a big paycheck. Go a step further. What are we talking about all the time in college football now? we got whole universities leaving conferences over money. Yeah, but... It can't come down to the players wanting to do that, though. That would be a huge issue. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I mean, like, if if, if I rewound, I don't know, 10 years, I probably looked at contracts themselves differently and, and had trouble understanding, okay, you're, you're an NFL player, and you signed a contract where you agreed for your employer to pay you $7 million a year over the next four years. They've invested $28 million in you. And then after two good seasons, you want to redo your contract because you think that you should be making $9 million a year instead of $7 million a year. And I'd be like, why don't you do what you said you were going to do? But the simple fact is, in the NFL, if you don't live up to your end of the bargain, they can cut you. If you're not as good as they thought you were going to be, they can cut you, and any money that's not guaranteed is no longer owed. So you might have had a four-year, $28 million contract where you were being paid $7 million a year, and you got hurt your first year and you were no good your second year, and they had already paid you the $13 million that was guaranteed out of that contract. They just cut you. And so you understand players trying to get whatever they can. You see coaches all the time, leave for what they perceive as better opportunities. And so I think it's really hard to come down on players who are trying to take advantage of the system that is in place to get the most that they can when there's nothing that's guaranteed for their future. Yeah. And you got coaches all over the place that said, you know, if players are smart, this is what they're doing. Well, and loyalty is a two-way street, too. I, I always grow weary of, why aren't the players loyal? Well, Tell me how loyal you are to the quarterback that throws three interceptions and costs you a game. Tell me what you're saying about him as you walk out of the stadium. Yeah. You yeah. People are only loyal to the people that do good for them. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that was the uh, story. Do you think this NIL transfer model is sustainable for the sport long term? That's not, from uh, Zach and Soche. Not in this way. I mean, when 
And with all due respect to Quinshawn Judkins, who had a heck of a year last year, he is marketable on his own. Like he he's a a quality young man. Like he's got a lot going for him in life. But the fact that Quinshawn Judkins has more power and leverage than Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you got a problem. Uh, I mean, that, that's a problem. College players have. Ten times the the leverage and the freedom and the power that Patrick Mahomes has, that Lamar Jackson has, that Dak Prescott has, that Aaron Rodgers has. Yeah, he's not getting paid at the same level. He's not. But they also aren't as valuable. Yeah. Um. You know, Zach, there's, there's another side to this. I mean... I think the easy answer is no, it's not sustainable as, as it exists right now. But then the flip side of that is, or maybe it is. I, I, I heard somebody, and I, I can't remember, I don't know if it was Josh Pate, who's a pretty smart listen in the college football media landscape, or, or somebody else that said, uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Josh Pate, it was, uh, it was Jim Harbaugh. He raised the question, how do we know that this doesn't work, that it's not sustainable? We've got, like, what, one, two years of NIL lifespan? The market generally corrects itself, and when you've got kind of a free market system, it figures out how to operate. If you give this time, maybe it does. Or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin coming up next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Elm.fm. Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You're looking for a new Ford truck, then Belt Ford in Oxford is the place to go. They've got a great selection of F-150s, but it doesn't stop with trucks. They've got expeditions on the lot. They've got a couple of the Broncos Sports. And uh, just up the hill at Oxford Toyota, plenty of options with the 4Runner, a couple of Sequoias that they've got out there right now, and the uh, 2023 Toyota Tundra. Regardless of where you live in Mississippi, it's worth making the trip to Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota for your next vehicle purchase. The Belk family has been in the automobile industry for over 100 years. They've been a Ford dealership since 1961. They are a family dealership, and they will treat you like family when you come through the door. No pushy sales tactics, no trying to get you out the door as quickly as you can and just make you go away so they can get to the next person. They're going to help you find the car or the truck or the SUV that you're looking for with the best financing options available. That's Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford, and online at belkford.net or oxfordtoyota.com. Ole Miss got camp started today. Lane Kiffin met with the media about 2 o'clock today, and here is some of what he said. All right. Um, great to be back. Uh, you know, really good practice this morning. As we've talked about before, this is almost – a roster that's half new from last season so um, obviously a lot of work to do with that but a lot of excitement of some guys that have been or could be really good players and we've got a lot of work to do to put that together with all the pieces and you guys have kind of heard this speech before 
you know, that that system can work sometimes, even in professional sports with a lot of big-name free agents, and I refer to the NBA, and sometimes if they mesh together, it works really well, but it just doesn't automatically work together, and sometimes it doesn't. So um, it's not just that easy of having these pieces that look like they're supposed to be really good or have performed really well or were big recruits out of high school. Uh, they got a lot to do to put them together and for them to mesh together and come together to be a good, really good team. But <clears throat> exciting to be out there with a lot of pieces to work with and try to bring them together and gel together. <clears throat> Defensively, there are a lot of new pieces, even more than offense. And <clears throat> that probably will take you a little more time because of the new coaches and new system on defense to get all that practice put together and to the level that we want to play at but we're excited about our new coaches and new players over there and um so got a lot of work to do lane just your first impressions of, of the quarterbacks today and where that room kind of stands right now yeah all four guys out there um getting reps rotating through with all the different units so that's definitely as deep as we have been here to have that much competition and and a lot of different ages, you know, with all the way from a guy who's 23 to a guy that was, you know, supposed to be a sophomore in high school. So um, it's really it's neat to have all those guys together to be able to work with and to have that much talent and also you know nowadays that's that's very rare to have in the quarterback room with all the guys that leave so um you know like when came up last night and and charlie's asking okay well how do we rep them how do you want these guys repped and everything we got a lot of guys and said, that's obviously a great problem to have um so it's gonna be exciting to watch them compete and develop Lane, I didn't see Zachary Franklin out there this morning. What what can you tell us about that? When will he be available? Yeah, as you guys, I mean, day one, so we'll go back over to, you know, you're not going to get a lot from me on injuries and um, a lot of information on that. It's just how, how it is. So um, he's not out there yet. We would anticipate him to be out there and playing for us, but um, he is not today. Sorry. Kind of back on the quarterbacks. Obviously, you guys had a battle last year with Luke and Jackson. Are you comfortable with this with it going into the season this year as it did last year? I would prefer for it not to. I've always said that. I always think it's better to have your guy, but you don't want to risk choosing the wrong one. And so, there are times least two I can remember where we've gone into a season not knowing for sure so we've used some games our first game to help gather the information to make the decision because it is obviously don't have preseason games so it is it is hard to judge and people make the wrong decisions all the time even with preseason games at the next level so I just try to be really careful of saying okay well that's the guy and then you haven't seen him even play in the game, you know, with you and, um, you know, with the current team. So ideally, no, we would not go into that 
but if it can't, if it doesn't show itself, then then I feel like you have to. Coach, based on what you're saying about the difficulties of developing a mesh and a chemistry, is it too early to ask you where your leadership may be coming from, uh, player wise? Yeah, that is challenging um, nowadays in the system that the NCAA has set up of college football and and also, you know, taking that on our own. We take a lot of guys. So that is a big challenge. And I think that, you know, this may not be exactly right, but I think we did an exercise the other day just going through and outside of offensive linemen, I do not. I think we only had like three players that have been here that initially signed here that are still here that are not just seniors that are juniors or seniors. So you guys can do the stats. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's what we came up with, which is just obviously mind blowing. That all but your but offensive linemen, the rest of your teams that are juniors and seniors, your upperclassmen, but three are from other places. So that's challenging. We do have a few guys that have been here a while, um, you know, especially in the offensive line and Cedric. So, but that's an ongoing challenge for us to bring people along. And that was a big message in the team meeting last night about guys, you got to come to, you've got to do work to come together too. You know, this isn't an individual sport, and you got to do a lot of work off the field with each other to build trust and and prepare really well. Coach, uh, two of your freshmen were pretty impressive today, Aiden Williams and Kedra Griscano. Just talk about what you're seeing from those explosive freshmen so far and kind of what you're anticipating from them this year. Yeah, Aiden looked really good. Um, and obviously was a great high school player. And But you never know until you really get them. And again, it's one day without pads. But... He looked really special and unique out there, and a little bit we've been able to do with him in the off season. Um, you know, saw saw the same type of stuff, and um, and the running back um, has some elite traits. Was a great high school player and um, did some good things out there also. So that was that was. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My bad. You sounded like the. Uh... Uh, secretary from Monsters Inc. right there. <laughs> Turn your forms in on time. That was Lane Kiffin earlier today after uh, after Ole Miss's first practice. Did you hear what he said? Where, where it took him a second to get through it. I think he was trying to say it correctly that they have outside of the offensive line. Three players who signed out of high school that are juniors or seniors. We we had somebody text us earlier about that and say why why would they do that that that, that just doesn't guys hit the portal because they're not good and stuff like that and well number one that's not always true sometimes they're trouble sometimes they want to move up a level, uh, but well, they just want to leave. What? I guess my follow-up would be, what would you prefer they do? Go toe-to-toe with Texas A&M and all their money on the recruiting trail? You're going to lose more often than not. Now, 
Mississippi State, for example, is taking an approach where they're going to try to evaluate the best they can and and find those diamonds in the rough that they've been able to do over the years. And, and Ole Miss seems to be doing more of that with the addition of Pete Golding. It sounds like high school recruiting and, and evaluation is more of an emphasis there. But if you think that in this era or any era in recruiting, and yes, Hugh Freeze did sign two top ten classes. You want to go back and look at those class, classes? They're top-heavy. Handful of players, the overwhelming majority didn't contribute to the football team at all. That's why they were so poor defensively at the end of his tenure there. You're not lining up with Georgia and LSU and Texas A&M and recruiting the same way they are. So you have to do it differently. You have to evaluate like a genius or you try this portal strategy and see if you can acquire talent that way better than you can otherwise. But at the same time, that's a choice by Ole Miss. Yeah. Mississippi State is loaded with players that they recruited out of high school. Loaded mm-hmm. with them. Ole Miss has chosen to go this path into yeah. the portal. Different strokes. It's not but the NCAA's yeah. doing, it's, it's Ole Miss's doing. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will wrap it up with you coming up next. And, oh, by the way, if you wanted an update on the health of Zachary Franklin, uh, Lane Kiffin was the wrong place to go. That's all I got for you. Hey, it's the first day. I'll remind you of the rules again. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Supertalk.fm. Ashley Robinson, who we had on the show last Thursday, the athletics director, uh, athletics director at Jackson State, is staying put amid rumors that he was leaving for Prairie View A&M. Jackson State has announced that uh, their athletics director is staying with the university. Elaine Hayes Anthony is the acting president at JSU. Her quote read, A.D. Robinson is staying at the I Love Jackson State University. We huddled up, as they say in sports, and we came out a winner. I'm pleased to have him as a part of my administration. We want him here because of his brilliant track record. He's done so many things to elevate athletics, which is part of our strategic plan. I'd like to encourage the entire JSU community to show up and show out for our student-athletes this season so we can continue to help them excel in and out of the classroom. So that's good news for uh, for Jackson State. Yeah. Jackson boy, staying home to uh, continue to lead the Jackson State Athletics Department. Always cool to uh, see that. Prairie View would have been a unusual place to go from Jackson State. I would agree. Uh, feels like a step down. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this: Somalia's sports minister publicly apologized earlier today and ordered that the chairwoman of the National Track and Field Federation be suspended after a seemingly untrained female sprinter represented the African country at the World University Games in China and took more than 20 seconds to finish a 100-meter race. Minister of Youth and Sports Mohamed Bar Mohamud said that his ministry did not know how 20-year-old Nazra Abukar Ali was selected to compete in the women's at the student games in Chengdu on Tuesday. Sorry. You're just, you're just nailing these pronunciations. Go. The, uh, the ministry separately released a statement directing the Somalia Olympic Committee to suspend 
the Federation chairwoman Khadija Adin Dahir amid allegations that Nasra Abukar was a relative of hers and was given the chance to compete at the games because of that. Somalia's university union said it had not sent any runners to China as part of an official Somalia team. In her qualifying race, Nasra Abukar was immediately left behind by the other runners and finished about 10 seconds after the winner. Despite being dead last, the story says she did a little skip in the air as she crossed the finish line. Jeez. 20 seconds for 100 meters? Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, could I do it? Well, there's only one way to find out. There's only one uh, way to find out. We we can find the answer to that question. I'll have to bring a change of clothes to our next remote. Yeah, that kind that happens. You know, not goofy in that way in the Olympics sometimes, though, because qualifying for the Olympics they do it based on like you know region and stuff. And there's a a really accomplished swimmer from my hometown that missed making the Olympic team by one tenth of a second. I mean, you're talking like. The person that that made it and him were this far apart. I think it was God was the two hundred fly. I don't remember the event, but he was this close to qualifying for the Olympics, right? The guy that that beat him to make it there went made through the first few preliminary rounds, and I think made the final heat. And you had people in the preliminaries that he was beating by twenty and thirty seconds that that didn't belong in the pool there. So he should have gone to the Olympics because he would have had a better chance at actually moving on, but. Because they, you know, based on region, you had people from countries yeah, maybe that... he should had, have been from Somalia. Something like that. Could have claimed some Somalian heritage. One eighteenth Somalian. There are people yeah. that do that. There are people that have a chance to be a dual national and have no shot at making yeah. a, an American Olympic Absolutely team that'll go, go play in the Olympics. Absolutely. What do you think the Lebanese Olympic team is doing these days? Maybe I, maybe I can find my niche there. A bobsledder, perhaps. The Lebanese bobsled team. I mean, it I'm be, in. I mean, it can't be that much. It can't be a lot from of the them. Jamaican bobsled team. You know. Oh my God! I don't. I don't think that mo- that movie is going to be as successful. I'll be totally honest with you. One for the money, two for the show. We are Jamaica. Go go go! I don't think it's going to work as well. I'll be, I'm coming. just going to. I'm be straight up with you. They tied Brazil cool in soccer too. the other day, and like the sideline celebration was like they just won the world championship. It cracked me up. It's like soccer is such a dumb sport. Jamaica sometimes. or Lebanon? Yeah, Jamaica. Jamaica tied oh, okay. Brazil in soccer, and the second the final whistle, it was zero zero, like a scoreless draw, and like the whole Jamaican right. sideline, like the coach was doing rolls on the field, and like everybody was losing their mind because they. Had a zero zero tie. Did they advance as, as a result? I don't know. What, they, I don't know what other. I don't know what's going on. Coming up next, right here on Super Talk Mississippi, Brian Haydad will continue to talk into the can about things related to Mississippi State University athletics. The name of the program is Thunder and Lightning. It's very similar to the name of a podcast that you can find on the interwebs as well. It is hosted by Brian Haydad. Borky, enjoy only, only a couple had 50 of days seconds off. to go. I will Jeez. try. All right. See you Monday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Will East will be sitting in Michael Borky's chair. Hey, Dad and I will be right here in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Until then, enjoy your Wednesday night. Talk to you later.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.